Master. Little James. If you have the $100 bill taped underneath. Go ahead. Go ahead and check. Any, anyone find anything yet? No? You feeling a little disappointed already? And if you're a little bit salty, uh, you can give Wes a little something after. That was his idea. But anyway... <laughs> Anyways, uh, we have been in the series, The Enemies of Gratitude, um, where we've been focusing on things that can really steal our joy in Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I've found this series to be incredibly helpful, uh, personally, maybe you have, um, but as we, we dive into where we're going, we're going to be talking about something uh, that all of us experience probably all too often, right? And maybe you felt it already a little bit with not getting a $100 bill. Um, a little dirty trick there. But we are talking about disappointment. And disappointment is a huge enemy of gratitude. And it often stems from these things that we call expectations, or rather, should I say, failed expectations. Whether you consider yourself an easily excitable person or not, we've all got expectations, and while you might not always be aware of them, we all become quite aware when they aren't met. So, Browns fans in here, you guys know what I'm talking about, and where, where are my Browns fans, by the way? Okay, get them out of you. Um, So Browns fans, this is kind of the mantra, right? Disappointment is part of who you guys are. (laughs) Now, I became a Browns fan back when my wife and I kind of started dating back in 2017. Um, So I became a Browns fan, um, and so I haven't experienced the utter disappointment as long as some of you in here have. But growing up in Indianapolis, watching really good football and then it being terrible over the last five years, uh, I've experienced it as well. But with the Browns, I think you guys in here got so used to disappointment that in 2016, you guys decided to have a parade for winning zero games, which when Amelia told me that story, I thought, this is ridiculous. Who has a parade for winning nothing? Um, But, I mean, I guess that's one way to to tackle disappointment or failed expectations. And Browns fans, you guys are some of the most loyal people in here. Loyal fans. And again, Nick Chubb. Everyone knows who Nick Chubb is. Season-ending injury. That put a lot of doubt in people's heads and... And so it was kind of like, oh, no, I don't know if we'll be good. However, Browns are 4-2 and two right now. But if it all fails, if it doesn't pan out, we all know this saying, there's always next year. Don't we? There's always next year. Now, I realize not everyone in here is a football fan, but disappointment, it's not unique to sports. It's something that you and I have to, to deal with quite a bit in life. Maybe, maybe you started a new job. Maybe you've been stuck in a job that, 
that you realize isn't lining up with the expectations you thought you had. Maybe, maybe it's work, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's singleness, maybe it's divorce, maybe it's something to do with your family and friends, maybe it's something with your health. Things maybe aren't what they hope to be, Um, and you're feeling maybe a little bit lost and frustrated with the outcome of your current reality. Now, I mentioned relationships earlier, uh, but maybe you experienced these relational expectations that didn't meet the reality. If you're a teenager in here, maybe you started dating somebody, and it didn't work out. You had a breakup, and you felt a little bit lost, or, or maybe you put a ring on it. And that marriage expectation didn't pan out to what you thought. What you set up at the altar doesn't look a lot of what you expected. Disappointment, guys, it's a, it's a difficult part of life that, that you and I must all battle so that we don't allow it to steal our joy in Jesus Christ. And this morning, I hope that as we, we discuss this, that there's some hope and a little bit of glimmer of light that you take away. And so I want to encourage you that even when it feels like you're staring down the barrel of disappointment, God is still good, and there's still good for us to cling to. And so as we dive more into this, I just want to lay a little bit of groundwork back in my own life. So back in August, uh, the first week our dryer broke, that was fun. So we, we moved the dial back. I don't know how long that would have been. Where people were drying their stuff all the time and, you know, hang drying it. And it was like, oh, man, we've got so much laundry to do all the time and this and that. And so that was a whole mess. And then the week after, we took Atticus to the doctor. And essentially, something that we were putting uh, on his skin, they were saying, well... What you've been doing over the last three months, it's as essentially as good as throwing spit on a fire and hoping it goes away. And I was like, sweet. So we've been wasting this time with this whatever thing that we've been doing and nothing's changing. And then at the end of August, uh, one night, it was raining a lot and we already had some some streaks, some marks on the ceiling in our bedroom, and some of you know this story. Um, but we went up there, and Amelia popped her head up the attic, and, and she's like, nope, actually, nope, I'm not going up there. That's disgusting. Uh, you want to go up there? And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go up here. Um, and I was thinking, man, this is going to be a good husband moment. This is going to be a heroic thing. I got this. I'm going to take care of the problem. So I go up there, and I'm looking around, and all of a sudden, as I'm walking around on the floor joists, I can't really see through all this blown insulation. All of a sudden, I take one bad step, and if you see on the screen here, I fell through. I fell through, and this was incredibly embarrassing. I was like, I had no words, and Amelia sprinted to the room next door, and I was like, oh my goodness, we have a way bigger problem, and of, of course this is something I would do. I guess I'm a little bit clumsy here, 
And so I'm just sitting here. I'm like, oh, man, we got a bigger problem to deal with. And I thought, man, if I just go up there, it's a quick, easy water fix. We'll get this thing done. Uh, but it turned out not to be so. And so all of a sudden, these expectations of, were flying through my head. And all of a sudden, I was like, well, when are we going to be up there again? How much is this going to cost? How long is this going to take? And so I was pretty disappointed. And, and as we kind of set out on this topic of disappointment, I want you to know, I know. I've been there just like all of you. And I want you to know that the disappointing realities of life are not lost on me. And I want to encourage you that they're not lost on God either or God's people. And I'm thinking specifically of Moses. So as disappointing as it was, you know, to fall through my ceiling, this situation doesn't hold uh, a drop of leaking water to what Moses faced. And you might be thinking, okay, Moses of all people, yes, Moses was staring in the face of disappointment, even though Moses was incredibly faithful to the Lord. And to give you a little bit of context here, God had promised that the nation of Israel was going to go into the land flowing with milk and honey, or in other words, the promised land. And Moses being their leader at the time, made this situation a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit difficult. And so as we dive in, um, if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your phones, if you want to follow along on the screen, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 1 to 12. So God's word says, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, Across from Jericho, there the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, and the whole region of the Valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, into Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants, and I have let it see you, I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you will not cross over into it. So let's stop here. As I said before, the nation of Israel was going to step into the promised land, and, and that promise was going to come to fruition. However, Moses was not going to step into the promised land. And could you imagine? what he's feeling like. This is the guy, right? Moses, through the power of God, split the Red Sea. Through the power of God, did so many other miracles. Was God's mouthpiece to the nation of Israel. And honestly, Moses was a lot far better than the Israelites. And this is the guy who gets punished? That's what it feels like, right? Talk about disappointment. And so... With Moses, as we're talking here, I want to go back to my story real quick. So the story of the ceiling falling apart, right? With it being disappointing and all, I knew it was going to be fixed. I knew it was going to be resolved at some point, which it has been since. Actually, this past Tuesday, we finally went up to our master bedroom after two months. Long time. 
And the thing is, it's, it's really easy to praise God when disappointment strikes, but also when disappointment is quickly resolved, right? But what if, what if there isn't an immediate resolution to your disappointment? What now? For example, a little over a year and two months ago, I remember being so incredibly excited to tell my grandparents about Atticus. He was only eight weeks along at that time, and, and we were telling him, and I remember, man, my grandpa, he was stoked, and he was so excited to meet his great-grandson, and, and so was my grandma, and Atticus, I knew, in six, seven months would finally join the mix. And so a couple weeks later, we went out with Amelia's old small group leader, and we were telling her the news. We were so excited, and we're like, yes, we're having, we're having a baby, and she was pumped, and all of a sudden during dinner, um, my mom had called me, and I thought, ah, it's dinner. I'll just call you later, and then she called again, and then my dad called me, then my brother called me, then my sister called me, and I was like, uh-oh, I should probably call him back. And all of a sudden, I called my mom back, and I knew, I knew it wasn't great. And my mom, choking up with tears in her eyes, I'm sure, she says, your grandpa's passed. And it hit me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, what? Like, why? I didn't expect it. It was so unexpected. And my grandpa, who I was pretty close to, I would call every, every two weeks or so. He was gone. And all of a sudden, this, these hopes, these expectations of Atticus meeting his great-grandpa were gone on this side of earth. And shortly after that, my grandma went to be at the Lord and a few weeks later. And so suddenly, I had to reconcile the fact that that they weren't going to meet him here on earth. And that was difficult. And not just that, so unexpected. And I share this story, right? Because sure, a se- falling through the ceiling, that's disappointing. But I know you guys have been through disappointment on a level like this. And we've already talked about it this morning. Some of you are in the thick of it. And it doesn't seem like there's an answer right away. And all of a sudden, as people, we begin to ask questions like, Lord, why? Why is this happening? Like, how is there any good in this situation? What in the heck is going on? Like, why? Did I do something wrong? Did I screw up? And all these questions, they flood our mind. And, and in Moses' case, his disappointment was impending. And there was literally no way to reverse it or to fix it, right, in Deuteronomy. That was it. And that's what it was going to be. And just like I had envisioned what my life might look like with my grandparents meeting their, their great-grandson and getting to witness many other things, it was gone. It was distant. And for Moses... This expectation of, man, I'm finally going to reach the promised land. It was all in his grasp. But as the scripture says, God said, Moses, you're only going to see this from a distance. And it feels like a low blow, like a gut punch, right? This is, 
Moses an integral part of the nation of Israel and God's plan. And I can't be, begin to even imagine the frustration, the heartache that Moses felt getting all the way there to literally taste it and he can see it, but yet not to cross it. Now, some of you might be wondering, okay, so Moses, right, he's not going to cross this land. He's not going to go there. But why? Because Moses took things into his own hands. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 50 to 52, we see this. There on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die and be gathered to your people, just as your brother Aaron did on Mount Or and was gathered to his people. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Mirabah Kadesh in the desert of Zin, and because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites. Therefore, you will only see the land from a distance, and you will not enter the land that I am giving to the people of Israel. So Moses isn't crossing this, and, and if you've read Numbers 20... You'll see it more fleshed out. But he doesn't cross it because of his lack of faith and trust in God. And instead of doing what what God had told him, instead of speaking to the rock and calling the water out for, for God's people that were thirsty, that were tired, that were weary, Moses strikes the rock twice with his own staff. But water, it still came out. Because God is still gracious in providing water for his people who are grumbling and complaining. But Moses also had to face the consequences of stepping outside of God's direction and God's command. And the consequence was he's not going to enter the promised land, but in God's grace he would still get to see where God would bring his people. Which, before I want to move on, I want to highlight two things here. God, God is still gracious to us when we sin. And God still provided for his people through Moses. Even though Moses stepped outside of God's good word and plan. God is gracious because that's his heart. And this is fantastic news. Even when I fall short, even when all of us fall short, right? If I fall short as a dad or as a husband, as a leader, as a friend, God is still gracious to me. But don't miss this. Even while God is still gracious when you and I sin, He does not protect us from the earthly consequences of stepping outside of His word and His will and His ways. God was gracious to and through Moses even when Moses broke faith and sinned, but God did not shield Moses from the earthly consequence of sin. And so Moses, Moses is ultimately separated from a blessing that God wanted him to experience in his life. And because of sin, you and I might be experiencing a lack of blessing in our own lives, here and now, as a consequence. But this isn't always the case. Sometimes we experience loss and disappointment due to failures and sin, but along with that, there's so many other things, right? You and I live in a broken and a chaotic world corrupted by sin, 
And so naturally, and unfortunately, we're, we're going to experience some disappointment along the way. Now, maybe you've heard it before, but the Old Testament, it talks a whole lot about this concept of reaping what we sow. In other words, paying the consequences as a result of sinning or breaking God's law or His commands. And Moses faces the consequences of breaking God's law and has to bear that judgment. However, when Jesus Christ came, the new covenant opened up something different. Instead of people bearing God's judgment, Jesus Christ became the object of wrath once and for all time. Meaning that God's righteous judgment and anger would be subjected to Christ for all sin that was past, present, and still to come. Which is amazing. And although Jesus became the object of God's judgment, this doesn't mean that you and I necessarily get off scot-free. So instead of facing a penalty for sin or separation from God, we can still experience issues when we step outside of God's protection and provisions for our lives. And if some of you aren't following, let me illustrate it this way. Let's say you got a bulletproof vest on, right? And let's say you're entering a gunfight. This bulletproof vest is designed to protect you from oncoming gunfire. In the same way, Christ has become our line of defense for those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus. He takes the bullet. He takes the damage that it's going to cause. However, if we start sinning and we walk back into the gunfight, we're essentially throwing off our line of defense. We're, we're taking the bulletproof vest and saying, I don't want it. I'm going to go in. I'm going to walk through this without protection. And that seems... Ridiculous, right? Nobody's going to throw off a bulletproof vest and walk in the middle of gunfire. But that's what it's like when we sin and step outside of God's protection and provision. Like, you have this defense, but if you go outside of it, you might face the consequences of going back into that gunfight because you're now vulnerable to the sin and the chaos around you. Essentially what happens is there's no penalty for sin under Christ, but still the possibility of facing consequences for our actions. But I do want to clarify something. I want some of us to know, because I think sometimes we can get stuck in this view that, that bad things are happening in my life because I have explicitly sinned. That's it. Done deal. I've sinned. Bad things are happening. It's definitely a possibility but some of us can face the barrel of disappointment by living faithfully for God because of the sad reality that exists in the world where, where things are broken and the hearts of every human is not good but marred and corrupted by sin. So it's getting a little heavy in here, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit. So where is there good in this story? How can we still see... God doing something good. If you have your Bibles, go back to verse 5 of Deuteronomy 34. And it says, Moses, 
The servant of the Lord died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he had died. Yet, his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plain of Moab for 30 days, until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all the signs and wonders of the Lord sent to him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and all of his officials, and to the whole land. For no one has ever seen the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in all the sight of Israel. So Moses dies, right? We read of his death. He doesn't enter the promised land, which Israel received. However, Moses still ultimately goes to the promised land, where eternity with God forever. God is still gracious in this, that even though Moses may have not experienced the promised land or the blessing on this side, he still would experience the blessing of being with God forever and eternity, even though he wasn't perfect. And that's amazing news for each and every one of us here today. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together, right? It's about what Jesus has done on the cross. And with this truth, we also read that there is mourning from the people of God. One, Moses, right, the reigning leader, he's no longer with them. And they're weeping over his death. And, and I want you to notice, while this disappointing situation affected more than just Moses, after 30 days, everyone, so to speak, moved on. They don't stay in the place of darkness and despair. And it doesn't explicitly say this, but I'm willing to bet they finally begin to trust God, those who were chosen by faith, that God was going to lead them through. And as Paul says, it's better to be absent from the body for the believer than it is to be present with the Lord and is better. While they mourned and while they grieved and allowed themselves to be disappointed, they were able to fix their eyes on their good and amazing king. So too, when each of us in here walk the line of disappointment, I'm going to say it is completely valid for you to feel angry, to be ticked, to be really upset with God, to lay out everything that you're feeling right. If you remember the psalm series we did, God can handle our emotions, but it's not okay to stay in that place forever. And so, Levi, Levi often talks about this guy named Eeyore, and we're not called to be a bunch of Eeyores, right? And so disappointment, it might come. And it might be completely out of our control, which is scary. But what God cares most about is how you and I react to the disappointment that we experience. Are we going to get stuck in the weeds? Or are we going to rise above by the power of the Holy Spirit 
through Christ's death and resurrection. Because in Jesus Christ, you and I are more than overcomers. We're more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Not by our own might, not by our own strength, but through His power to uphold us and to sustain us. We can't control our situations. And that's scary. If you're a control freak like me, that's scary. But we can control the way we react to it. And while Moses' story seems like utter disappointment, like a bunch of failure, God is still a a God of promise and of good things. See, while Moses doesn't enter the land, God never breaks His promise to Israel. God never goes back on His word. See, our God is a God of people and of nations, not one person. Whenever you hear God's name, you often hear it as, I'm the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. Not one singular person. And when things like death and loss and disappointment stare us down, God is still working. And as a culture, I think we're so used to individually thinking with our minds rather than collectively And God, through all time, has worked for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. A group of people, right? And this isn't to say that that God doesn't care about the individuals, but God also didn't come to save one person, did He? No. For it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And who is that? That's every single one of us. Every single person. And every single person matters to God. And God uses things like disappointment to ultimately draw us back into His presence. And for me, and I don't know about you and here, but I have found it that that's my experience. That it brings us to a place of weakness and utter dependence on Jesus Christ. And so while it hurts, while it's not fun... It is incredibly formative and deeply shaping us for the good. And so if you're hurting, if you're disappointed right now, know that Jesus sees you. That you're not alone in this place. That you've got a loving body of people who want to do life together with you. You're not alone. He knows what you're dealing with. And He's at work. And I just want to encourage you, we're going to watch a video that Levi showed last year. It's from The Chosen. And I feel like it really paints this picture well. And it's a great reminder for all of us who are struggling to see that God is doing something good. So take a look at this video. Master. Little James. May I have a moment? Of course. I am... Um... Forgive me, I'm uh, not always confident to speak. Slow to speak. It's a very good quality. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question. Please? So you're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that... That is what you said? Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal. (laughs) Forgive me, I just find that difficult. 
to imagine with my condition, which you haven't healed. Do you want to be healed? Yes, of course, if, if that's possible. I think you've seen enough to know it's possible. Why haven't you? Because I trust you. What? Little James. Precious little James. I need you to listen to me very carefully. Because what I'm going to say defines your whole life to this point and will define the rest of your life. Do you understand? In the Father's will, I could heal you, right now. And you'd have a good story to tell, yes? Yes, that you do miracles. And that's a good story. But there are already dozens who can tell that story. And there will be hundreds more, even thousands. But think of the story that you have, especially in this journey to come, if I don't heal you. To know how to proclaim that you still praise God in spite of this. So, isn't that incredible? This guy who plays Jesus in this said there will be thousands, even hundreds and thousands of people who have the same story of miracle after miracle. But how many could be moved by a story that that you're walking through it, that you're struggling alongside the road, yet you can still praise God. And I know there's some of you in here that are really struggling right now, that have been walking through it, that have been going through it. It's been tough, but I've been able to see some of you say, you know what, this isn't different, this isn't changed, my situation is still what it is, yet I praise and I trust Jesus Christ, even through the storm, even through the disappointment, even when things don't look great, I can still praise his name. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to to come up, but we're going to sing a song in closing. It's called Fear Is Not My Future, which some of you might have heard it on the radio before. If you haven't, I just really want us to take this song in today to hear the lyrics, and to declare these things over our life. Because sickness isn't your story. Disappointment's not your story. Anxiety is not your story. Jesus, Jesus is your story. And Jesus, he has the final say. Amen? So let's pray. Father God, um, I realize it's been a heavy morning and and there are people, God, in here that are experiencing deep hurt and disappointment and frustration. And Father, I just pray that you would meet those people right where they are. That you would remind them that they are loved by you. That you see them. That they're not alone. God, that you are orchestrating and working something for their good. 
And God, that you would just encourage us this morning that, that our story doesn't have to end at disappointment or defeat. God, our story ends with you. And Jesus, you're the victorious one, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lamb who was slain for us. Jesus, we know how the story ends, and it ends in victory. And so, Lord, I pray that, that as we worship here, as we sing these words, that we would declare these things over our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand with us in closing this morning, and if you don't know the lyrics to this song, that's okay. You can just listen and uh, be encouraged.